Hey guys, and welcome to season three of the Us People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, I get to make my guests laugh, cry, and even make them think about life a little differently with the questions I fire over to them, which digs into their lives and professions a little differently. We even had a chance to change up the intro, giving you a fresh new sound. I look forward to sharing season three of the Us People podcast with you. Let's go. Excellent. You, know, you have to be. You have to be in showbiz with the name like Xavier Rocks. I'm sorry. You should be. I'm sure you've been told that before, but you have to be. <laughs> Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yes People Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Rocks, and today I'm humbled to have Rebecca here with me, who is the global head and creator of, of Creative Insights, I should say, at Getty Images. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming to the Yes People Podcast. How are you? Oh, good, thank you. Lovely to see you, Savia. And you too. <laughs> Perfect. So, my first question for you which I always ask absolutely everyone on the podcast I always love to know a bit about who you are as a person before we go into the depth of what you do so Rebecca could you tell me a little bit about your life and your background of where you grew up and how that influenced you to be the person who you are today sure yeah so I grew up in um, a small village in East Anglia uh, on the Suffolk Norfolk border and um, unfortunately, I, from a very young age, I had ear problems. And um, so I would have to visit Guy's Hospital near London Bridge in London uh, on a regular basis. And, and so from, from, from the age of nine till about the age of 16, I would come to London um, uh, three or four times a year. And I, came, I had many operations. And... Um, as a treat after after the doctor's appointment, my my it was usually my father actually would would let me go somewhere in London and my one of my favourite places was HMS Belfast <laughs> and another favourite place was the London Dungeons and we pretty much went between the two the, you know every time we came but I I got a taste of London from a very early age and my parents are both from London originally um, and um, and so I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave East Anglia as soon as I possibly could. And, and it's interesting talking to my brothers now. I have three younger brothers and they remember me always talking about, you know, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to end up in London. That's where I'm going to work. And so I went off to university. I studied um, English literature and sociology. And um, through doing sociology, actually, I got a real interest in advertising as, a, as an industry. Obviously, there's not much of an advertising industry in, in Suffolk. Um, and so I then signed up to do a postgraduate in advertising at what is what what used to be called Watford College and is now called West Hearts University, I believe. Mm. Um, and it was the only place at the time. I'm talking early '90s now, where you could study advertising as a subject. Um, and that's where I um, yeah learnt my craft really. And um, so naturally, I was nearly in London. I was in Watford. <laughs> That's not too far. 
Yeah, so I'm getting closer as, as time goes on. And um, I moved to London, as you do, or you did in the 90s. You know, it was it was affordable with a gang of friends. Yeah. Um, we moved to a flat in Clapham, which was the cheapest place to live at the time, if you can believe that. Now it's not. Yeah. And, um, and, and started looking for, for jobs. And um, I really wanted to work in an ad agency. God, I'm so glad I didn't now. Yeah, it's amazing how it's amazing how fate, <laughs> how fate, fate finds its way. Um, so, I, so I, I would always get the Guardian newspaper on a Monday, and that was that was the that, that was where all the media ads were were, and they were always you know little tiny ads, almost like a classified ad for uh, for jobs. And um, I saw an ad in there one Monday, and it was uh, a, a job. It was a it was a photo agency looking for staff. So I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. It's not what I want to do, but it's fine. Um, and I applied for it, and I was just about to go to America for the first time. So I really, I was very, very excited about that on holiday, yeah. and that's all I was thinking about, actually. To be honest, I went to the interview. This this just shows how arrogant you can be when you're younger. Um, went off to America, didn't think anything of it. Came back, and they offered me the job. And I was like, oh, and I specifically remember telling my friends at the time, I'm going to do this job for 18 months to two years. Um, and then I'll, then I'm going to move into advertising. And, um, I, I was in, I, I worked and it, it was in an agency that actually became Getty Images. Um, and I was there for 16 years. Oh, wow. Um, and then I left. And then I came, and then I've uh, uh, more recently I've I've been back again. Um, but it was interesting how I I had this impression that I was just going to hop from job to job to job, and then I ended up doing that job for such a long period of time, which is a great I think uh, it's a great endorsement of of the company. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting how life kind of takes you, and and I I do a lot of teaching now. I'm very fortunate to work with. Um, BA and MA photography students especially commercial photography yeah. and you know that's the question I always get asked how did you get into the business how did you break in and I'm actually quite embarrassed about my story <laughs> because it wasn't a it wasn't a I wanted to be a photographer since I was a young child and I got a camera for my birthday and then I it was like well actually I just needed a job and I fell into it and actually out of working in the industry is where the passion came rather than wanting to get into the industry because I felt passionate if you see what I mean so yeah that's my story so that's kind of how I got to where I am now but it, otherwise in terms of who I am um yeah. as I say I've got three brothers um I've always been very kind of active and very sporty and um and got involved in judo uh, as a sport oh. when I moved to London I, I, I had done it as a as a teenager um but I uh, and wanted to get my black belt which I did and um then competed all over the country and um in in Europe and um made some great friends and um and met my husband um and we you know we obviously carried on judo for for, for a long time we have a daughter now who's uh, 19 yeah and when she was about four or five, we set up our own judo club and we decided we were going to, you know, uh, train the kids in the village because I, I live Aww. in a village now outside of London. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I work in London still when I can. Not right now, obviously. Um, and we decided to set up 
uh, a judo club because we wanted her, obviously her, you know, with those kind of genes, she was going to be amazing. She was going to be the best judo player ever. And uh, the club's still going now. Um, as I say, you know, 15 years later, she was awful, absolutely awful. She was probably the worst student we ever had. But she got into trampolining and competed with trampolining and, and kind of found her passion. She yeah. didn't, you know, she didn't, she didn't go down the route that we wanted her to do. Because kids do that, don't they? Which is really annoying. Um, Did you just say that's annoying? (laughs) 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 And so so now in in later life, you know, to, uh, you know, as as my bones are starting to get a bit more brittle and uh, I've got (laughs) more injuries, I'm starting, I I, um, I have a a, a running group, uh, a group of ladies that I run with, ladies, they are that they, we like to think we're ladies. Um, there's eight of us that run regularly. <laughs> we run every morning um, before work, and uh, a group of cycling, doing um, mountain biking and uh, off-roading and uh, that kind of thing. So, um, still very active. It literally keeps me sane, especially during lockdown. Yeah, it's I can imagine. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm just sitting around all day, and and that I, I I'm not my best person. I'm not my best me when I'm sat down in meetings all day. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's that's kind of me. I'm learning to play the ukulele, so I oh, play it very badly cool. at the moment. I belong to a ukulele group. Oh, We're doing that really on Zoom cool. at the moment. That's quite a quite a sound, as you can imagine. Request. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going? Like, how do you feel when you're playing it? Do you? I really like it. Actually, I really. I think one of the. It, it sounds really bizarre, but working in a creative job. And being creative means that when you get to your downtime, oddly, I don't actually feel that creative. I think I probably take the least number of photographs of my of my whole family because I'm kind of over it by the time I get to my free time. And um, and usually in normal circumstances, I get my kind of creative fulfillment from going to the theatre or going to galleries and and uh, and having uh you know that kind of input yeah so this is a different kind of input I think you know people have been talking about what they've been doing since lockdown you know baking and um home improvements and uh knitting and things and um I mean I've been I've been playing the ukulele longer but uh yeah it's nice to just do something that's quite simple and well it should be simple I seem to make it quite complicated but (laughs) it is quite simple I think, and I, I had it as because I, I studied for a PhD, and and I took a really long time to to, to complete it. It was um, eight years in the end, and I, I, I at the top of my list because I kind of mm. kept a list of things I wanted to do when when it was over um, was to do something like learn the ukulele. So uh, I started that when I finished finished oh. studying. Yeah. Oh wow. I would love to hear you play it. Like maybe at the end of the podcast, I can just pull it at the no, end. No, you really, really don't. Why? It can't be that bad, Rebecca. It can't be that bad. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to let people know more about you and let people know more of an insight about you. So what I'm going to ask is, Rebecca, could you break down a day in your life of doing what you do at work just so people can understand exactly what you do. 
Yeah, sure. What from the moment I wake up because I'm I'm quite busy before I wake up. Before yeah, I get to work. Yeah, rather. go for it. Go go for the, right, go for okay. when you open your eyes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Within ten minutes of waking up, so I've timed it now. I can leap out of bed, get my gym kit on, downstairs, roll my yoga mat out, get the ah. zoom on, and then I do a um uh, a hit class. You know, like a boot camp class for 30 minutes um and there's a group of us that have been doing it together since March so you know many months now and so I do that for 30 minutes and then I put my trainers on oh I brush my teeth because I'm gonna after that I'm gonna see people so I brush my teeth (laughs) then I get my trainers on and then I meet my friends to run and we have this we have a 5k route that we do every morning and it's the same route. So I've, I, I need to calculate how many times I've done it, actually, because it's hundreds. Because we started on the 16th of March, and then we run five days a week. Um, wow. So I run around, and then I come home, and then I have a bowl of porridge, cup of tea, shower, stretch. <laughs> Bit of a stretch, because, again, got to keep the, keep the bones going. Um, and then, and then, I'm, then I'm at my desk. Um, and really, the mornings for me are mostly Europe-based. So mm-hmm. it would be talking to my team who work with our European um, clients. Um, uh, sometimes I'll start early and we'll work with our Asia or our Australian teams. Um, but mostly, it's it's very European-focused. And we we you know it could be anything from um, talking at a conference. Um, uh, it could be um, talking to a client about uh, a problem they're trying to solve. It could be talking to my team about um, work that they're doing, um, specifically on you know specific industries or uh, a collection that we're working on. We've just in the last uh, month we've launched a, a project that we were working on with the BBC, um, which was a, about broadening the representation of children in the UK, which the BBC are, are really really passionate about, and they have um, put up some money to help seize funds. So it, kind of a grant system for um, for new photographers, especially in underrepresented parts of the UK. You know, we have a lot of photographers in London. We don't have so many in the Midlands. Um, or even the north of England, actually. Um, so, you know, trying to encourage more participation um, in photography in, in this country. Um, so, you know, those kind of meetings. And then um, uh, around about one, between one and two o'clock is when the, the New Yorkers start to wake up. <laughs> and that's that's when it starts to get very US-focused. And uh, again, you know, we're working on some really big projects around um, women in sports. Um, and so we're talking to uh, various sports organizations and um, license holders. So uh, people who, you know, own the rights for uh, football or a cricket or rugby or American football or whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, various meetings with marketing and branding and our PR teams and our creative teams as well. Um, and then that kind of rolls into around about five and six o'clock when, when the, uh, the West Coast start to <laughs> start show their faces. <laughs> and it goes on then and it can, you know, sometimes I might be finished by six o'clock. Sometimes I might, you know, it might go on to really really late because we because we're a global organization we try to um 
organize our global meetings so that not everyone misses out it's very easy to meet us and europe together and then miss out asia so sometimes i have to do really late night but i have someone in my team who um does the kind of 4 a.m to 1 p.m shift for asia pack which is great yeah so i don't have to (laughs) so yeah i mean you know that's very different obviously to what it was pre-lockdown um pre-lockdown i would have been probably on a plane traveling somewhere probably you know at a photo shoot at an event meeting contributors meeting clients um you know much more interesting than just hopping from meeting to meeting but I, I you know that's the case for everyone right now yeah definitely that yeah. is yeah kind of locked in a room or yeah I know I was I was literally I was in New York uh the end of February beginning of March and I remember I was supposed to be talking at the UN, which was a you know a really really important um, well for me, not for anyone else. <laughs> the Aww, world wasn't going to change. That was me talking at the UN. <laughs> it was um, the uh, there was a women's conference, and we've created we created this amazing um, art piece which was going to sit in the UN, which hopefully it still will, um, about the evolution of av- uh, the representation of women in advertising. It's, it's yeah. a huge tent it's like 50 foot wide and 10 foot high it's really really big so we were going to launch that the the beginning of March and I remember you know the the Americans saying oh it's you know got to be really careful we're going to have to cancel the the UN meeting but which was fair enough because there's people flying in from all over the world and they didn't want to encourage that but I was like oh these Americans are making such a fuss about this COVID (laughs) (laughs) and then I flew home and it's like oh oh okay so it is it, it is really it is really big turns out so I'm hoping that that will kind of come back um and there'll be the opportunity to launch that next year instead I think there will be an opportunity to launch it it sounds beautiful I'm just trying yeah. to imagine how it looks but my imagination is quite vast so it will go all over, it will go all over the place <laughs> It's it's currently sitting in a load of crates because uh, it's it's um, obviously had to be taken down in pieces. It's sitting in New Jersey in a in a crate in wow. these crates at the moment, which is really depressing. But what are you going to do? You're, I'm an optimist for you, Rebecca. I'm, I'm thank an you, optimist, thank so. you. Please, you know, yeah, do, a, do a do a dance or a, uh, some you, kind of yeah. Thing. I love dancing. <laughs> you can't stop me dancing. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most difficult process of being creative for you what's the most difficult part I think it's time the difficult the most difficult thing is that is having time I think I've I've worked out as I went through my PhD actually that I work better and that's probably from having commercial experience I work better when there's a very strict deadline and I'm just about to miss it uh I think it's called you stress there's a there's a term for it isn't there I I don't work well with having loads of time to think about stuff because I'll find something else to do you know there'll be a YouTube video or something to read (laughs) or you know I don't know something shiny to look at shiny (laughs) um but if I if I know it has to be done at midnight and it's 11 p.m then I can get it done and and which is great if you work in 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 the work that I do because we always have deadlines to hit but when you've got like this unknown amount of time 
you know, you have eight you have eight years to to complete your PhD. I know what I'll do. I'll take the whole eight years. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> what I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that's I think that's I I always wish I had more time, but it I know it doesn't suit me personally to have more time. Oh. I'm not a planner. I, yeah, I definitely know how you feel. I plan, but then it doesn't go to plan, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah, I understand how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> Who has been one of your inspirations in your life to say, to help you to wake up every morning and say, yes, this is something that I want to do, not just from your perspective, but also from somebody who pushes you and inspires you? every day it could be many people because some people have many people throughout their life but has there been any particular person who you could say this person has supported me um that's a really good question actually and it's not something I've spent a whole lot of time pondering on I think it's in terms of my work it's probably individuals that have either I've worked alongside or I have worked for in the time, you know, across time, I, you know, now it's, I'm in a different position. I think when I was younger and less experienced, it was looking up to people who I felt um, inspired me in, in terms of wanting to be like them or, or wanting to work in the way that they work. Um, I think um, in my life, it's my friends um in terms of we're you know we're especially the the my friends that I run with um we're all very opinionated and very gobby <laughs> um and actually my husband always says he hates being around us when we're talking because we sound like a load of geese and we talk over <laughs> each other just like <laughs> you can imagine the scene um but I <laughs> but I think in terms of like that you know unwavering support and that pushing and reminding and saying come on you, you're going to do this or you can do this I think it would be it's got to be you know your my close tight-knit group of friends and then obviously during when I was doing academic work it was my professor she was she was such an inspiration to me and she uh, she st- just to give you some background. I actually started my uh, PhD at uh, LCC in London, uh, which is part of the University of, of the Arts, and she got a directorship of a uh, of a department at um, De Montfort in Leicester. Now I live in the south, De Montfort's in, in the Midlands, and she so she she moved to that department, and um, and I went with her because rather than being associated with the university I wanted to be associated with her um and and her research so I didn't actually go to Leicester that much we um we tended to meet in London more than uh, more than in Leicester and she oh my goodness me she she could make me sweat just by seeing her name in my inbox <laughs> <laughs> well she's got power but <laughs> I still laugh about that now. And I used to get these packets through the post of my work and it would just she had this purple pen that she would um write across all my work with and I had lived in fear of this purple pen and I'd get these packets of work come through and it would just be pages of purple. <laughs> <laughs> but she really I tell you what, she changed the way I write, she changed the way I think about how I write. She made me into a an academic um because I didn't have a clue 
you know, I, I, I left academia in the 1990s and I went back in 2009. So there was a great big gap and, um, and, and you know, tons of, tons of different ways of writing and thinking. I love an exclamation mark. I've, I've put a lot of exclamation marks into my emails and my texts. And I had to have that knocked out of me. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, so she she was amazing to me, and she actually retired while I was still oh. finishing, and still carried on and and helped me get through. So amazing woman, yeah, Professor Elizabeth Edwards. If anyone wants to look her up, she's um, a visual anthropologist. I might and, have to uh, get her on the podcast yeah. to talk to me because yeah, she sounds cool. She's fabulous. Yeah, almost oh, definitely. Okay, this is a question I love to ask people. We're only a couple of questions in, but how do you handle difficult clients? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I wish I could give you some kind of like magic bullet that we have for, for dealing with. Yeah. Um, I, I'm too confrontational. I, I'm not very good. I really, I mean, <laughs> I tend to fight back and and that's not the greatest thing and I really admire you know those people that I work with who I really admire who can diffuse a situation just by being so incredibly positive and um and thoughtful in their responses whereas I'm like okay right we're gonna have a fight here and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take you on one-to-one um so yeah I don't know that I necessarily am the best person to, to- <laughs> Give us to, to, to even talk about it, but I think you know it's it's always it's 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 usually a misunderstanding. It's usually a um, a, a, a uh, kind of our expectations are out of whack. You know, a, a client will always expect everything they want plus more for less money, and you're trying to be realistic with the budget. Um. And they don't, you know, a lot of the time they don't understand the um, the logistics of of a photo shoot, um, and so That's we'll true. add in extra, you know, extra elements and and expect the same price. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, you being able to manage the ex, manage expectations and and being eloquent and gracious in doing that is is the best way to do it. And I like, as I, I like saying, the way you not smiled always the after person that. who's most gracious, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mess with you though, Rebecca, because you remember you do judo, so yeah, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and I don't, I don't think that necessarily helps in terms of combative attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might help you out of a situation one day. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um, how would you say you educate yourself when you're looking at different images? Every image has a different. Mm. How can I say? Every image has a different resonance or towards people. Makes mm-hmm. people feel different. Gives people a different yeah. outlook. How do you look at different images every day? and say to yourself this image is different from this image for this reason and how does it elevate you to learn from that image yeah I think I'm I'm probably one of the worst people to show your holiday pictures to (laughs) because I've seen so many images I you know I'm I'm really privileged I get to um judge a lot of competitions and awards and you know um and 
it's which is amazing it means I get to see you know emerging talent but I've also seen it a million times before so for me it's the, the things that I'm most interested in and the, and the things that really pique my interest and that that will that I learn from is either something that's been done in a new way and it ha- doesn't have to be revolutionary it's just slightly different to what I'm used to seeing then that I find really really interesting and and genius a lot of the time or it's um it's you know people who are working in the industry who haven't been worked before you know I've done a lot of work around bringing people into the industry who haven't traditionally been well represented and I love seeing you know, like women, I'm going to, you know, I'll talk about female, um, female creators, and how women approach projects and the content that they create. And that really inspires me. And and I get a lot of nourishment, I think, from that. Um, Likewise, you know, looking at communities that that I haven't seen a lot of imagery from, you know, I, you know, I use Africa, and it's an entire continent, but there are countries within Africa that are not well represented um, visually they're represented in a in, in sometimes a harmful way um, mm. um, I'm interested in uh, you know how the country itself you know, how the country represents itself how contributors photographers filmmakers are creating content within within that country and that I found really really interesting you know really really fascinating you can always tell that you love your passion Rebecca just by the sheer smile on your face when you talk oh. about it <laughs> I know people can't see, but I can see, which is cool. <laughs> but you can always tell when someone loves what they do by the sheer grin from ear to ear. And you yeah. can see them thinking about it at the same time. I have to say, you know, working in, in photography, it's it's interesting how you kind of feel, you know, I've already said it. I feel like I've seen it all. I've seen it a million times, yeah. but I haven't. And it keeps reiterating and it keeps evolving and you and you you know, you you consider some element of photography that you might not have thought about before or or genres start to collide. You know, we're seeing the collision of advertising and documentary photography right now and the two are looking very, very similar and, you know, which we've never seen, what well, I've not seen in, in the time I've been in, in the industry. Or, you know, a certain colour palette comes into, into focus or... Um, a certain way of filming becomes really popular, you know, slow-mo's being big and time-lapse, you know, because all yeah. of that that technology is becoming available via our iPhones or, uh, you know, other phones are available. Um, and so, you know, you see all that for the first time. Drone footage, I mean, you know, yeah, that's the, cool. seeing drone footage for the first time and, when, you know, watching movies now or, or TV shows when they've used drones, you think, gosh, you know, a few years ago they wouldn't have been able to create that content. Yeah. Um, so, there's, you know, there's always something exciting and I love seeing what the, you know, the youth, the youth, the younger <laughs> generations are creating and how, you know, they, they approach imagery. I'm going to say imagery, um, and and creating it, consuming it, disposing of it. You know that that that's a whole new that's a whole new generation. I've been yeah. I've been part of the younger generation. Now I'm not part of the younger generation. So it's <laughs> it's interesting to see the things that I am passionate about and I really uh, believe uh, you know are signs of quality in imagery is not necessarily what what somebody who has been consuming imagery from a very young age feels. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah it's 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 always interesting which is cool I like that how important I know we were talking about women and having women in the industry but Mm -hmm. for you how important is it to you to be a woman and to be a creative woman in the industry and I know words have power but also how important is it for a from a female perspective to have women of power in the industry of making images powerful knowing that they have been taken by women to change people's perspective on how they think and feel about imagery I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's very, it, it's fascinating to me. Um, in that I did, I did at least twenty years in the industry. Never questioned it. Yeah. I never thought, oh gosh, all my bosses are men, or um, you know, all of the people in power seem to be men. Oh, all of the photographers that that we talk about are men. Uh, all of the photographers that are famous are men. Um, and it was only really pretty recently, probably in the last three years or so, that start really started to question it. And I think it's probably got a lot to do with my generation now getting into positions of power, and and there are more of us, the fe- uh, us females. Um, yeah. And so we now also, I think probably it's attitude. You know, rather than rather than thinking, okay, we need to keep quiet. You know make sure that our fragile men are you know don't their egos don't get crushed under the power of of the the female (laughs) female leaders um is to say actually we can we can change this from within and that's really what i've been focusing on is like okay i'm 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 here now i don't you know i'm not going anywhere i'm gonna bring everybody up with me and you know i worked worked on a, a fabulous project with dove um on uh bringing more female contributors into into the industry and having that platform that dove created which was massive uh for the show us um project um enabled to enabled us to kind of court you know create a call to action to all women to visualize themselves and for female creators to visualize other women and it's it's interesting how you know this conversation of the objectification of women especially has been i mean it's it's, it's generations old i've got i've got a book on my bookshelf actually from the 1970s which talks about the 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 depiction of um of women in the 70s and that conversation hasn't changed yeah. um and so to be able to say okay well if you create if you create thousands of images they've been shot by women and the subjects are women we, we, we used um, women, transgender women and non-binary. Um, and um, and, and the, the, the person who was being photographed decided how she was photographed, what she wore, you know, where she was, where she was shot and how she was described in her metadata, which is really, really important. Um, and we're not going to retouch those images in any way. That's kind of that's showing the world how women create if they if they if they're left alone to do it themselves and you know that created a I'd say that created a groundswell in terms of how we then started as a business so you think we you know the company I work for is massive massive in terms of its reach yeah. um global company and so we started to then change our attitudes internally about you know how do we depict um people of color how do we depict people who live with disabilities how are we depicting the lgbtq plus um 
uh, uh, community, how are we depicting aging, which is, you know, that's a, that's a whole other subject to get into. And who's who's shooting that? And you start quite once you've questioned the one thing and you've kind of found a way through it, you then you can then kind of build up the courage to then um, ask questions about everything else. And I think courage is a really, really important aspect of the whole thing. Yeah. You've cut, you've got to have courage. You've got to have I, I see, you know, I see the women who work for me who are, uh, you know, 10, 20 years younger. And the big thing for me is 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 kind of building that courage so that they're questioning everything on the way up it's bloody annoying because they question me but they you know questioning <laughs> everything on the way up so that when they get to a position of power then they are they, they feel strong they feel very, you know stable on their own two feet yeah, yeah exactly um and I think you know if that I really hope that that's my legacy when I finally retire um you just took away my last question from me Go on then. No, that was my last question. Oh. But that's all the way at the end. Yeah. Oh. So I can still ask yeah, you, but we won't answer it right now. <laughs> all right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Rebecca. If I was to ask you, what does beauty mean to you within an image? What would you tell me? Oh, hmm. I think well, it could be it could be two things. It could be, and it honestly depends if whether a person's in the image or not. Because I think if a person's in the image, that tends to shift the perception of the image. Sure. Whereas if it's a, a beautiful landscape, for example, then um, the beauty is defined in a different way. It's definitely. I mean, for me, it's it's aesthetic. I mean, it's, it has to be the combination of lighting, composition. Um, subject matter etc etc um and for me it's um yeah it's when everything kind of collides and and just just works i mean you know there are there, there are images of um that people take of um you know like uh um what are they called uh, you know like the sewer covers and you know that kind of thing on the streets and when it looks like it's got a little smiley face or, or it's anthropomorphic in some way that can be beautiful uh, as much as you know a stunning person um no I and, and I'm not really I have to say I'm not really drawn to traditional beauty I'm more yeah. drawn to where a photographer has created a, a created a beautiful person out of the in the way that they've shot somebody if you get what I mean yeah, I think the easiest thing in the world is to shoot someone who's already beautiful I mean that's kind of it's easy isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier to make someone who's who who a doesn't think they're beautiful and b is not yeah. classically beautiful to make them look beautiful but did I answer your question I think I did yeah yeah I like it no you did answer my question I like it here's one for you what does diversity mean to you and how would you bring the essence of diversity, beauty, and creativity together as one? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm I'm pondering. So in in my quieter moments, I'm pondering about quality and diversity as a uh, how do you combine the two? Um, uh, to, diversity to me is is where you have. Um, 
a range of something. Let's say, I mean, diversity, if we're talking about people specifically, that we are, for example, we're representing a range of people from different backgrounds, socioeconomic groups, um, race, ethnicity, um, sexual orientation, gender expression, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's kind of our commercial classification of diversity. But within that, you've also got, you know, how people think and, and how they like to live their lives and um, what their domestic setup is. And, you know, you can kind of go down and down and down. And there's nothing more annoying than people talking about somebody being diverse. You can't be diverse by yourself. Exactly. You have to be, you're, you know, we're all diverse when we're all together. Um, and, you know, that, that I think is really the, 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 you know that's kind of where you need to make that um you, you need to kind of divide divide out you know what is how do you define a person then how do you define a group of people and then within that i actually think diversity is it, the notion of diversity in a group of people is probably the most beautiful thing you can see rather than seeing a generic um homogenous group uh, again, I think that's probably just because of my background coming from the 90s when we were shot so much for that stuff. Now, when I see a group of people who who don't look similar to each other, who, you know, who look really interesting and full of character and personality and look like they're emotionally uh, balanced, you know, and, and, and happy with themselves. And that to me is incredibly beautiful. Um, and I love seeing I love seeing that that type of imagery. But, 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 but thinking about diversity and quality in photography, the notion of quality in photography has kind of been it currently or in the past has been extrapolated out of diversity. Diversity is seen as something separate to quality. Yeah. And I, I would argue now that anything that's good quality is, is diverse uh, or, or, or depicts diversity. I like so, that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I would love to be more eloquent in being able to explain it, but it's <laughs> kind of how I feel about it. As long as, long as it comes, as, I always say to people, it, it's not about what you say, it's how it feels to you when you're saying it. That's the right. most important thing. And that, if that resonates with you, then that's the answer to the question. That's how it was yeah. meant to be. So I always say that to people. How do you feel about the direction? We spoke a little bit about this before, but how do you feel about the direction of the photography industry and where it is actually going? Because it's evolved so much mm. in the years. But how do you feel about how can we encourage each other and empower each other to continuously be creative with each other, not as one person, mm. but mm. all together? How do you feel that we can work together? Again, I think I think the I think the younger generation. I don't want to say younger, but the newer the newer photographers coming into the industry have yeah. come from usually have come from a community background. They might be on Instagram. They might be on Flickr in the old days. They might be part yeah. of a you know an online community. So they have that natural affinity and that natural ability to to to, to communicate um whereas photography used to be very um isolated and singular mm. and you know photographers used to have their own studio and their own kind of system that they worked on and um were, were very competitive and were and were competing against each other on a regular basis because they were pitching for a lot of stuff whereas now there is so much opportunity to shoot for 
for you know digital platforms social media um uh for your own you know you can create your own um audience through um you know uh, websites and, and and instagram and and other uh visual social medias that that you that, that there is more um opportunity to be a bit more collegiate about it yeah. and collaborate and um and, and and come together and and I also would argue that having more women in the industry probably helps because we naturally want to be sociable. And we, again, just before lockdown, we started a um, a, a women's kind of drop-in evening um, where we had women from all genres, sport, news, editorial, documentary, creative, who came together. And there was about 70 of us in the first meeting and, the, and, and oh, wow. four women all stood up and just talked about their work. It was amazing, which I'd never, I've never been part of anything like that before. Um, and so we decided to just, just start it up and do it ourselves. And so we will, once we're back out in the world again, we'll do that again. And I, I think that was a great experience for, for a lot of women to, again, to share ideas and to kind of, you know, spend time together and to talk about issues and moan about clients. And we had some great stories, you know, we had some great stories. So, um, I think the world is moving in that direction. I also think that the generation of image buyers, image commissioners, art directors and things are now starting to leave the industry that were, you know, the boys club. And, And the world, you know, the consumer is expecting more from who, expecting more from what we shoot and from who we ask to shoot it. The you know the 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 media is more more um intrigued as to who created the content you know a brand cannot purport to be supporting black lives matter and only hire white photographers to shoot their content for example which is you know i'm I'm sure you've seen it yourself is, is what's happening um and those questions should have been asked a really really long time ago but you know they're happening now and that is going to be very exciting in the future i think i think for 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 those that are newer to the industry they're going to see some real change change i'm looking forward to change yeah definitely most definitely people always ask people about their success story so people always say to you say for instance rebecca what's your biggest campaign you've worked on or the you've always you've had a lot of success in your life but people never really talk about the failure side of things (laughs) (laughs) here it comes (laughs) so my question for you is like I said people always talk people always talk about success but they never really talk about the failures could you tell me a time where you feel that you have utterly messed up somewhere what did you all do to change your mindset and reevaluate things so that as you went on to do another project or another campaign it helped you become a better person so you can understand things better <laughs> yeah it's so funny it there was one occasion it was it was the week before christmas Ooh. and probably the beginning of december so a couple of weeks before that i had agreed to shoot some um some video some film of um palm trees in the caribbean uh, it was for a uh, cruise company uh, that were launching in the new year. And they needed seven, I think it was seven one-minute clips of palm trees um, 
absolutely, I mean, stunning, different times of day in uh, in the Caribbean. And uh, it was a week before Christmas and I was just leaving to go to our Christmas lunch at the pub. And I realised I'd completely forgotten to commission the photographer. <laughs> Are you serious? I completely, and I think, and I still remember it, is that that moment of cold sweat, you know, absolute panic. And luckily, I mean, this is, this is where networks and contacts and, and having people around you that trust you and, or, and yeah. you trust them. There was a fabulous filmmaker who agreed to jump on a plane and go to the Caribbean. I can't remember which island he went to now. But he went and shot that content just you before said? Christmas. Oh wow! And then flew back. And he was based in um, based in Eastern Europe, so he probably enjoyed, you know. Oh yeah. Christmas at Europe is not great, is it? Um, so he probably enjoyed it as well. But I'm forever thankful for him for doing that because I would have been shot. So, <laughs> what, what did I learn from it? <laughs> I learned, um, I wish I could say I learned from it. I did learn from it in that I need to make sure that I always prioritise the right things. Um, I am like the worst to-do list writer. I write them, I'm just looking, at the reason I'm looking around right now is that I've got them all over my desk and I don't know which one's the, I don't know whether it's this one here, I don't know whether it's <laughs> this one here. They're I have, all a, different small, colors I have as well. a smaller one. Oh, and I have these ones. So oh, my I have... gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just showing Savio all the various to-do lists that I have. Um, and they're all different colours as well, pink yeah, and yellow. I like, and... Yeah, I like a bit of colour. I don't like to wear colour, but I like colour around me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm glad you said you're still learning because that, that shows me that you want to learn and you want to evolve, and that's really nice. Yeah, I I, I'm that. a big fan of like always pushing, pushing up against your, pushing up against your boundaries and getting out your comfort zone and trying to be better at you know what you're doing and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really really keen to do that. Otherwise, it just gets it just gets so boring. That's true. It's so That's sad. definitely true. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> good at you, staying still. What are you most proud of that you stand for as an individual? Um. That's a good one. Um, I think, I think I, you know, I, I think just if I think about kind of how I've lived my life and how I've found my way through life, I think standing up for being a strong woman and for not just not physically, but, but, but mentally strong. And then I kind of look at how my daughter's turned out and how righteous and, um, strong that she is you know um I kind of feel I kind of feel that 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 has seen me through to this moment in time and now it's having an impact on people who look up to me um and I, I you know I, I say that in a in a way in that you, you kind of when you get into a certain position people do tend to look to you and that actually came as a bit of a surprise to me as I kind of rose through the ranks is that people actually start to pay attention to what you say. Yeah. I was just bobbing along, just, you know, being myself saying, you know, saying whatever came into my head. <laughs> Turns out you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you have to, 
you have to be a bit more measured when people are looking at you so yeah so so I, I hope I I hope I inspire others to be to be similar similar in in their approach to the world and their approach to changing things and um, making a difference yeah what is the best advice you've ever received Rebecca and what have you done with that advice throughout your life um I think gosh yeah that's a good one um do people answer this one do people answer this one really quickly or do they have to think about it because I think they think about it they 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 say my questions are actually quite hard oh really (laughs) yeah so they actually say that some of them are quite hard I actually wrote 50 questions for you Rebecca but oh wow (laughs) that's impressive um yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know if there's any ever one one piece of advice I've ever been given. Did, would I listen? Did I listen to it as well? I mean, that's the other thing. You know, do, <laughs> do I ever listen to advice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't honestly think of one piece other than you know the usual. Um, just do it. Just you know, go for it. You know, those, those that those yeah. kinds of pieces of advice. Yeah. People who love you tend to tend to tell you, don't they? That's true. Um, yeah. Okay, what would you do differently if nobody was judging you at all? Oh, um, oh! <laughs> she got excited. Oh yeah, I. Do you know what? I would be the the arsiest, sweariest. I would literally just say what I what I thought at any given time. Uh, yeah that's what I'm hoping to I'm hoping when I'm I'm in my old age and I'm you know like the little shriveled up thing in the corner I'm just gonna <laughs> tell everybody what it was I'm just gonna tell everyone <laughs> what I really think <laughs> I'm so gonna come and visit you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Visit. you know um, Catherine Tate you know Nana or yeah. Catherine Tate that'd be me yeah <laughs> oh man when was the last time you felt totally at peace with yourself oh um I don't know it's really hard to think whilst being in lockdown it's really it's really weird isn't it it's kind of trying to think at a time before then I think probably some at some point when I've been in you know on a you know somewhere tropical and just completely content and you know my family have really we love going to South Beach in Miami and that is where I feel really like completely relaxed and it's got that kind of combination of nightlife and amazing scenery and the heat and whatnot and yeah with with my family around me I think that's probably when I feel yeah most myself I suppose yeah oh that's good for me Uh, here's a question for you if I picked you up put you on an island and said to you that you're only allowed to take one president one musician and one photographer to have a conversation with what three people would you take with you Oh, it's got to be Obama. I mean, that man just—he just makes me cry whenever he speaks. Aww. So I would just—I would just—he could just give me all his wisdom and read his book to me while I was sat on the, sat on the beach. So it's got to be Obama. Um, one musician, did you say? Yeah, one musician. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably take Luther Vandross. You probably don't yeah. even know who he is, do you? 
What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was showing my age then. What do you mean? Like, just I'm, to me. I'm not okay. that young. I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> Lufa, come on, come on. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd ha- so I'd have Obama reading to me. I'd have Luther singing to me, and oh, wow. then I would have photographer. Oh gosh, one photographer. I think I'd probably take. Uh, I feel like I need a woman next. We've got yeah, I was going to say there. you need to. You yeah, need to even need to, it out we a need bit. Female yeah. photographer. Um, I'd probably take someone like Cindy Sherman. I know she's not a photographer, but she does take photos of herself because i think she'd be good fun to have around that'd be so, quite a good um conversation actually yeah yeah well, maybe she could you know like we could do some prosthetics and put some crazy outfits on and yeah the four of us <laughs> you imagine i would love to take that picture oh man <laughs> oh, luther god rest his soul rest yeah peace, yeah <laughs> hey, so this is the question that you kind of answered, but you didn't answer, which mm-hmm. leads me on to my second to last question, which is, what would you like your legacy to be in the world? <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think I think my I would like my legacy to be um, that I made a difference. That the 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 point in time now can be traced back you know something can be traced back to this point in time and that I was part of that I think I don't you know I don't need to necessarily be the you know the one person but to be part of a a number of people who who made changes and did something interesting and important and changed perceptions and uh, helped helped you know yeah the the younger generation I think you're already doing that I hope so I hope so that's definitely the plan yeah no I think you definitely are I'm gonna throw in an extra one because it just came into my mind and I thought if I asked you this I wonder what you would say so my extra one is what is one question that you would love people to ask you but they never really ask you that question oh oh um oh I don't know they never really ask me that question yeah if there's something that you wish people would ask you, but no one never really does, what would that question be? Um, I got you thinking. I, wow, you totally have. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I'm not. See, I, I, I don't tend to give a whole lot away, so I don't tend to. But then when I get started, I tend to. Yeah, I, I jabber on forever, so I'm not really sure that. I think I'd probably answer the question even if I don't get as you as you've probably experienced. I don't, <laughs> don't necessarily answer the question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know uh, what what I'm going to do in the next part of my career. I don't don't know that anyone what my aspirations are. What what would I what I hope to do with my life? I don't even have an answer to be honest. But that's yeah. I'd, I'd never. Yeah, it would be. It does, you know, you do tend to talk about what you've achieved and what you've done in the past and not kind of what, where you want to go next. And also being British, we're not very forthcoming, are we, about our dreams and aspirations because we we don't want to jinx them. And we're very modest. Don't you think? Yeah, no, that is true. I don't project, you know, I don't project my future self. I, I don't 
think about that a lot. So maybe I should, maybe I'll ask people to ask me about it. It's to do with planning again, isn't it? It's like yeah, having, well, having a plan. Yeah. But sometimes it's good not to have a plan and be spontaneous because you don't have any expectations. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Did you imagine you'd be doing this podcast? Could no. you see yourself being a podcaster? No. No. Um, I just saw there was something missing in the world and... Um, I just wanted to help people to tell their story in their way rather than be judged on a story by them saying something and someone automatically judging them by anything that comes out their mouth, which is what everybody does every day. Yeah. I just wanted people to be their authentic selves and, and not feel pressured. I wanted them to have a give people a positive energy or light that they yeah. could feel when I'm interviewing them and, and that's why I decided to do the podcast not for somebody's title not for how many numbers I get of listeners but authentically just for them to be themselves yeah so yeah that's definitely well, there you go you're changing the world as well I hope so in some kind of way <laughs> I hope so <laughs> but it's interesting how you see yeah you you suddenly see that you, you saw that gap and and then you and you leapt into it that's yeah. I think shows what kind of person you are as well and I think that's yeah that's kind of how you know, the, the approach you, you know I, I would encourage everyone to have in in life is just just to jump in I mean what's the worst going to happen yeah well then yeah. it's better for you to try something than say to yourself what if I tried it and it worked yeah so yeah. I always have that kind of mental attitude in my head but with a really huge humbleness as well mm. that humbleness means a lot to me um especially when you're doing things it's good to have be confident in what you're doing it's good to have a mouth <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a mouth but it's also it's also it's not what you say it's how you say it that makes things happen too so for me anyway everyone mm. has a different way of doing things but sometimes as a woman especially i feel that you do need to be firm in how you say things to get your point across so people will take you seriously. So, yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's Good for me. you. Good for you. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. So my last one for you, Rebecca, is where can we find you on all your social medias? If anybody would like to contact you, just like I did, of having your humble presence, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, I think. Uh, or I'm my um, my LinkedIn is Rebecca Swift. No, Doctor Rebecca Swift. Um, and um, yeah, I don't really do Twitter, and and I don't I don't go on Facebook that much these days either. Yeah, I mean, same. I have an Instagram handle, but um, unless you want to be bored, pictures of my dog and me out and about <laughs> running, uh, LinkedIn is the best place. <laughs> Oh man, Rebecca, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Us People podcast. You've been such a great guest. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, you're most welcome, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Us People podcast. And please remember you can subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Us People podcast by simply going on the Savio Rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another Time to let it go. Now's my time. Now's my time. Time.
Like you've got a very soft, like it's very, it's a relaxing voice. It's not too, you know, it doesn't jar. So um, I think when, when you find someone who, yeah, it, yeah, I mean, you could talk about anything and it would be nice to listen to. So, you know, you could just blabber on. <laughs> just talk about your day, talk about your pizza. <laughs> ah, just keep, just keep being amazing. And uh, yeah, if you ever run out of people you want to talk to, I'm sure I can push some people, some interesting folk your way. So just let me know. the tools, everything you do, you make the rules, sometimes you need